The views and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and producers and are not those of Apple or any authorized service provider. Information provided is purely for entertainment purposes only. For more information about products and services discussed in this program, we invite you to visit a corporate Apple store or an approved certified Apple service and sales center. Today we celebrate the first... Hello, I'm a Mac. You're stealing from us! Don't scully around. The Apple podcast that brings you information from both sides of the counter, from both the customer and the sales and service provider's point of view. You want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Because we don't scully around. What can I say? I hired the wrong guy. Now let's talk about another powerful, creative product. iPad. <laughs> iPad. iPad is a magical piece of glass that transforms instantly into anything you want it to be. Portable versatile and powerful, while at the same time being incredibly easy to use. We've now sold well over 400 million iPads, making it the most popular tablet by far. No one else is even close. But what you might not know is we've sold more iPads in the last year than the entire notebook lineup of all of the biggest notebook manufacturers. This makes iPad not only the most popular tablet, but the most popular computer in the world. It's pretty phenomenal. Ah, so the new iPad Pro, my favorite new iPad Pro, but that's not hard to happen because I like Apple. Yes, welcome to another edition of Don't Scully Around with Chris and Caitlin. And on this show, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of the iPad, the iPad Pro, and um, there's just a lot to cover here. So let's just uh, dive right in with... um, Some history on the iPad Pro? Yeah. Yeah, the iPad Pro grew out of the iPad, shockingly enough. Um, It came around about three or four years ago, I think about three years ago now, Um, and it was really designed for the Pro user, hence the iPad Pro. Row part of the word. Um, it was designed really to take on like the Wacom tablets and the Surface. I wouldn't say it's a good direct competitor for the Surface because the Surface does actually have the full Windows operating system on it. But then again, the Windows tablet part is going to be discontinued in 2019 or 20 from what we've heard. They'll still be doing laptops and other types, but they're not going to be doing a tablet anymore. But anyway, that was kind of the idea. It was more directed at the Surface than it was directed at anything else. But it had a lot of features that beat out Wacom tablets for hand drawing and that type of thing on a computer. The idea was you could draw on a screen that you were drawing on like a piece of paper. So you could see it as you're drawing right underneath your hands. Versus using a Wacom tablet where you draw and have to look up at a screen. Unless you get some sort of fancy thing to look down as you're drawing. It's a lot easier and it's a lot more natural to draw on a piece of paper than on a computer, which was the idea behind for the drawing side. As for the power behind it, they were really hoping that this could start switching people away from the old-fashioned desktop computers. Not that they're that old-fashioned, but I think it's the start of people switching over to using tablets and iPads. Actually, it's been happening for a while, but they're trying to get pro users to switch over. The problem is, is there's still not a 
full macOS operating system on an iPad, but they're getting it closer each new version. The iPad Pro had a lot of changes with it. It was the largest screen they'd ever made for an iPad. It was a 12.9 inch screen. It also had the ability to work with an Apple Pencil. Unlike a stylus, which is like trying to draw with your fingertip, it was a big blunt object, they actually made a pencil which was a fine tip. They did make those from other companies, but they were not quite as detail-oriented. With an Apple Pencil, you can turn it sideways and actually do shading, which is kind of amazing. Um, So you can really go in, it's meant to be as natural and feel as close to an actual pencil as possible. Um, They also came out with the Smart Keyboard, which that one was geared a little bit more towards the surface, but it could fold up and travel with it and be a cover as well as stand up. Um, And it was a covered keyboard, so if you were working in a sawdusty area, a dusty area, or you were just accident prone, you could actually spill something on the keyboard and wipe it up and it survives. You didn't have to have a keyboard. You didn't have to have an Apple Pencil. It had surround sound. Um, By that, it had four speakers, two on each side. That was very helpful. I had a cat that liked to sleep on one side. Now I could actually hear the speakers. That wasn't the only reason. It also had a lot more power behind it. It really is their powerhouse now. Um, They're anywhere to the same power that's in an iPhone or higher, still using the Apple chips. Um, It also had a much better display, and as each version came out, it had an even better display. The um, one previous to this version had what's called True Tone, which was trying to make it as natural experience for you as possible. But that gives a brief rundown of the iPads. There was also a 10.5-inch, which still exists. All right, so let's take a look at uh, some of the specs coming out for the new iPad Pro. It's smaller, but it isn't. (laughs) We've actually had some funny conversations about this because you've You've dealt with some people, especially on the iPhone side of things, where you have someone basically saying, I want an iPhone 8 Plus because the screen's bigger than the iPhone X. That's my ever favorite conversation. <laughs> yeah. The, just for those who are curious, the iPhone 10, and it's 10, not X, yeah. um, the iPhone 10 um, does have a larger screen than any of the other iPhones before it, even bigger than the i than the iPhone 8 Plus. It's a larger screen because it goes edge to edge, unlike the um, the iPhone 8 Plus. I had seen some entertaining comments on a Facebook page about somebody saying they're going to trade up because the screen wasn't big enough. So they're going to go to an iPhone 8 Plus, and I couldn't help but just laughing very, very hard. I swear to God, it is bigger. Um, so it is bigger. They've just, you know, despite the little notch taken out of the top, yeah. which I will still bitch about. But uh, no, it, it is. Did you know that someone's trying to make a class action suit about that because they said that the advertisements don't show it detailed enough that she couldn't tell that there was a notch out of the screen? <laughs> I don't know. When I go into a store to get a new phone, I like to actually look at it on display rather than just going that one. And if you just poke the screen, you'll see the notch. But that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> so it, the, anyway, the we new, met iPad Pro. The new iPad Pro, uh, edge-to-edge screen. They've uh, it's slightly it's smaller, but they've they've taken in actually, the edges. And... It's actually a bit smaller. The 12.9 is really interesting. The 12.9 was nowhere near as popular as they wanted it to be. 12.9 was the original size of the iPad Pro. Then they came out with the 10.5 inch. Actually, the 9.7, then they came out with the 10.5 inch. But anyway, the 12.9 was popular only because it was the only iPad Pro in the beginning. After that, the smaller sizes got a lot more popular. They traveled so much easier. I know personally I have a 12.9, and it feels like I'm carrying a laptop. So why don't I just carry a laptop? So they've reduced the 12.9 size physically. Not the screen size, but the actual size of the iPad, of the machine itself. 
it's now just barely smaller than an eight and a half by 11 inch piece of paper. So it travels very well in backpacks and briefcases and other things. Not great in my purse, but still in a backpack and other things a lot better. I actually am very intrigued by the 12.9. I hate my current 12.9 because of how large it is. It just is huge and it just is very awkward. Um, they've also brought the edge to edge in, it's, or it's very close to edge to edge because it still actually has FaceTime. And guess what this one doesn't have? There's no notch. They didn't have a notch on this one. I'm actually, sorry, I'm kind of laughing at the new iPhone XS's and XS Max and XR or whatever the heck the other 10 things are. Because they still have a notch. You'd think if they designed it on the um, iPad Pro, they would have figured out how to do it on a phone. But anyway, that's just me. Um, but yeah, it's edge to edge now. Um, and it is a better display and a faster response, responding display. Apple all around, they seem to now be moving away from uh, lightning and really hedging their bets to USB-C <sighs> all around. My favorite part, let's change the charger and hear everybody yell at us. Yeah, they actually are switching over to USB-C. USB-C is becoming industry standard, and it's not just Apple industry standard. It is also coming to the PC world. If you look at any Windows machines, most of them are starting to include them now, even if it's just one or two. It really is actually happening, unlike Thunderbolt or Thunderbolt 2. They are actually coming to not just the Apple realm. Um, the and US... is Thunderbolt going away? No, it's Th Thunderbolt 3. Okay. It's Thunderbolt 3 now, um, which is even faster as you keep going. The original one was like a gigabyte of transfer rate. Then it was two gigabytes. And the new one, I think, is actually like five. Um, I could be wrong with my exact specs there. But anyway, the other idea behind the USB-C connector is that it can work with other things. So you can plug in to another display without having to use a special software that you have to pay for or anything else like that. You can plug in directly to another display. You can use almost any USB-C adapter and it will generally work so long as there's software on the iPad to work. For me, I'm really excited to see what happens in the next couple of years or so, or hopefully this year, with external hard drives being supported because now it's putting off enough power because the new USB-C port, you can actually charge your iPhone off of it. So it's putting off enough power to power external hard drives, which is something it never has really been able to do before. Unless they were really small little slimline external hard drives. Right, unless they really didn't need power or they were getting power elsewhere. And even then, this really has me intrigued. I'm hoping LaCie or GTEC or some of those bigger companies out there, Seagate, Western Digital, that anyway, they come out with something for the iPads that actually support external hard drives more than just, I can suck your photos from your external hard drive over here, so long as they're in the DCIM folder, which was basically the only way you could do it. Um, that was the default setting. Otherwise, you had to get a special app. Basically, there was only one. It was made by SanDisk. Still is true, last I knew, but I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some changes out there. I know Lucy tried some wireless stuff, but I'm hoping to see a little bit more support for that. But it also can charge your phone. It can, you can plug a camera directly into it without needing a special camera adapter. You just basically need to have a connector for it, but it can just be a regular USB connector. It can connect directly into Ethernet. It can connect to an HDMI display. It's that USB-C multi-port, as well as you just have to replace a USB-C charging cable. You can use the charging block that comes with your Mac to charge your iPad. That's something that's never happened. They're starting to finally make these two worlds join charging-wise, so there's not two separate chargers. I can't tell you the amount of questions I get on it. But if you are going to use a charger for your computer that was for your computer, please make sure it was the original Apple one because those have a lot of surge protections and um, amperage and wattage checking so that it doesn't over
overwhelm the actual iPad or the computer, depending on what you're using. Um, so please try to make sure it's the actual Apple charger. Anything else from there, I can't guarantee whether or not it'll be okay. And for those of you who have um, been up in arms since the release of the iPhone X... Um, this is going to be painful, isn't it? They're, um, and, and, and this is going to be an interesting conversation because uh, on a side note, we recently got my father an iPhone. He has been notorious for breaking and destroying any phone any of any kind. Any phone of any kind. So I <laughs> or figured, tablet. <laughs> so I figured, knowing how accident prone Apple uh, tablets and phones are, you could just look at your phone the wrong way and the screen will crack. Yes, but you're the unique one that broke a phone on ice. Yes, I did. I dropped my phone and it fell on the screen. And someone never ever got it repaired until she met me. Hmm. Okay, we're going to, gonna, we're not going to, but. But talking about my dad, <laughs> he we were at his house, and um, he couldn't figure out what, weeks and weeks, he couldn't figure out why his phone wasn't charging. Turns out the little, the little uh, pins inside the USB connection had just perished. He had just crushed them. He had destroyed them. Pretty much the same was true on his tablet. And I was like, okay, we need to get you into an iPhone. We need to get you into an, into an iPhone because you can't possibly break a lightning connection, we hope. Well, yeah. you can, but it's harder. It's not going to be broken the same way. You could break the charging port off in it, but yeah, but you're not going to crush any pins inside the lightning connector. Person. And um, you know, I thought it was a good idea. Plus, um, he's prone to holding his phone in such a way that he turns the ringer all the way down, and people will call him and call him and call him and call him for days, and he won't know the ringer's been turned off. So, um, since Caitlin is so Apple centric, she went in and. And basically turned my father's phone into a child's iPhone and put on so many restrictions. It's a little level above that, but yeah. Um, yeah, I did turn that on. Um, and I also was given the lovely honor when we were getting the phone that I was not in the room. And all of a sudden I just hear my name and I come out and they tell me, oh, well, he was asking who's going to help him if he has any questions. And everybody volunteered me. Oh, it's so lucky to be the techie person in the family. <laughs> So that was really exciting, and you know we're hoping that my dad gets used to his new iOS device, and that his next purchase will be an iPad. But that's going to open up a whole new interesting world. Now, if you've been uh, watching the trades, if you've been listening to the if you've been listening to the complaints on social media with the new iPad Pro, they have done away with the home button. It's not too many complaints, but <laughs> that's because most of the people who are buying the iPad Pro already have an iPhone 10 or the newer versions of that. Yes, they have removed the home button. Um, seems like a super crazy thing. I was not excited when I got my iPhone 10. I was only getting it because I did training and I probably should know how the new stuff works. But I have to say I've been, it only took me about a week on my phone. Yes, I'm techie and all that, but when you're on your phone all the time, you kind of learn it faster to learn the gestures. It's all done by gestures. You basically move from the bottom of the screen in different directions and that's how it goes. Actually, when the new iPad Pros came out, we had one guy who was an Android guy um, and another gentleman who had an iPhone 8 Plus and I had to actually remember, oh, I had to take a couple minutes and actually show you how to maneuver around on the iPad. It also makes it seem, it, it's not that it's that much faster, but I must say I, it feels like it's faster just because of the fluidity, I guess. Right, you're not pushing it, a lot of buttons that are all around the phone. You're not pushing a lot of buttons. I'm waiting for the animations to happen. It's all just, I want to go that way. I want to go that way. I want to go back to my main screen. 
and they tried to make it as close to what you're already doing. Um, there is an interesting video that we found, but anyway, that was released by Apple, which talks about all of their stuff. It's really techy, so if you're not a techy person, you may not want to watch it or understand it. And um, how similar are the gestures? Because I don't use any of them. I'm, I use. Yes, you stand- actually do. Okay, I, I do. Yeah, you just don't know it. I don't know. I'm use- I mean, I don't know. I'm even using them on my on my eight plus. Mm-hmm, I yeah. am using them because they're there. You're using about half of them. Yeah. Um, they've actually incorporated almost all of it into iOS 12. There's some of them you don't. You still use the home button. But the interesting thing is that where everything starts from is where your home button would be on the iPhone or on the iPhone uh, on the iPad Pro. Um, it all starts from the middle bottom where the I- where the home button used to be. Hmm. Um, but some of the things like you're used to doing is getting into Control Center by going to the upper right hand corner and swiping down. That's true on the iPhone 10. Right. Um, getting into your notifications by going from the center down. That's true on the iPhone 10 um, or on the iPad Pro. So it's a really, they're trying to help the transition be as smooth as possible. Also, by the way, if you get an iPad Pro or an iPhone 10 or newer that doesn't have a home button, there's a little itty bitty card that it comes with that has all the little gestures on it. I walked around with it for about a week and then I didn't need it after about two days. <laughs> but it's I know, interesting with these with the with gestures inside iOS. How many of those are actually and this is a side subject, but how many of those are similar to what you might use on Mac OS with a with a with a mouse pad? Almost all of them are are very, very, very similar. Um switching from one app to another is kind of uses the same idea um so because they're also trying to think of okay the phone is in your hand so you're not going to take three fingers and swipe on the screen you're going to be using your thumb most you're going to be using your thumb but there's some abilities which are also available on the iphone 8 plus um so long as you're an ios 12 or newer uh you can actually swipe from the left to the right and it'll jump you over into the next app and the next app which comes from the trackpad the granted the trackpad is more how many fingers do you use at once to do things but double tapping things that came from the trackpad a lot of the gestures started out on the trackpad then went to the mouse then went to the phone so uh well let's talk about that a little bit too um let's let's talk about um differences in your ios experience between um i know we're talking about the ipad pro but let's, <laughs> no we haven't really been let's, but that's okay but let's, let's cuz i mean really i'm in i mean in, in all seriousness there's almost very little between an ipad and an iphone for the most part it's using the same operating system there's the same there's power system. there's there's one one might be able to there's do there's power but... differences generally the phones get the better cameras than the iPads do because they figure they're really hoping that you're not going to your child's recital with an, a 12 and a half inch iPad and sitting there <laughs> going look you can see this and nobody behind you can um, they're oh, hoping and, you're and, doing... and they'll be holding it in portrait mode which will be blocking even more um, of the yes you won't even be them. able to see the lights um, yes. but yeah um, and I have seen those, um, and they are trying to push it so that people won't do that as much. <laughs> I mean, if that's your only choice, go ahead. But still, bear in mind that there are people behind you that can't see because you have a giant piece of glass up in front of their face. I used to videotape elementary school Christmas pageants, and I would have parents in the row behind me smelling of alcohol. I think people holding up their uh, phones and blocking the view is <laughs> at least of people's... But I, I just wanted to sidetrack. No, track. it's really annoying. I've seen it. Yeah. There are videos of it where there's like 20 parents doing that. There's a lot of wedding photographers that are going into like this whole new like thing. Um, uh, like there's a new hashtag out about it going freaking iPads because people will just use their iPads for the wedding pictures. Yeah. And it's like it's great that you can see it. Do you realize there are others including professional photographers and video people that can't see a damn thing because I have an iPad? 
Yeah, I have. I've had that issue as a video person. I used to hate people that would be uh, taking pictures with their flashes on during events. I'd be recording to digress a little bit about uh, I the differences of iOS depending on what device you happen to be using. I'm I'm because we could cover this on an iPhone show, but we'll do it here. <laughs> um, the differences between using iOS on um, the iPhone 10 versus on the iPad? On the iPad. Or or the iPhone 8. Or what's the differences between iOS They're making on it. iPad Pro versus the regular iPad? What, I mean, what, what features aren't you missing? What can't you do? Um, like, we can't do multi-purpose multi, uh, multi FaceTime on the 8 Plus, but you can do it on the 10. No, you can do it on the 8 Plus. I thought you said we could. No, it's not been released. It wasn't at the time. Oh, okay. Um, the, it depends on the age of your... Basically, it depends on the processor of your device. Um, the older the device, the less it's going to be able to do. The nice thing is, is though with iOS 12 release, they're actually not, usually they're chopping off the older ones as fast as possible, but they're actually not in this case, which is the opposite of the Mac OS, but that's another whole conversation. They're supporting it so that those devices can keep up a bit longer. I do think it has a bit to do with the iPhone battery issue that even got the price reduction. Um, but the other thing with it is the iPad experience versus what it is on the phone and versus... Uh, and the 10 versus the regular devices or the older style devices, um, they're pretty darn similar. They're doing a very good job of trying to make the transition as smooth as possible. So for those who do eventually have to make that jump, they're not necessarily trying to kill it as much. Quite frankly, the only thing I really miss about Touch ID is it didn't care how light or dark it was. Primarily, it's I like to look at my phone in the dark at night when I have no lights on in my room and it can't see me. So it goes, I don't know who you are. Please enter in your passcode, which during the cold nights, that's cold. Um, it's a super silly thing, but that's the only thing I really miss Touch ID for. Otherwise, Face ID is much faster, I find. Um, I like that it only responds when you look at the screen. Um, so if you're looking away from it, it won't respond. It's a little bit more, I don't know, it keeps track of what's going on. Um, the other thing that was interesting with the iPads is something I never even thought of. How do you wake up an iPad if it doesn't have a home button? You just poke the screen and it goes, oh, I'm awake. It really is like a little kid that you poke and go, hi. Um, <laughs> it's all excited. It'll tell you the time. Um, but that's actually how you wake it up. It's been really interesting that that's, that was actually something I never even thought of. Um, that was really interesting that they put that in. It's the same way with the iPhone X. Um, most of the time on the iPhone X, though, I'm using the on-off button because it's a little bit closer. But generally, I use, um, on the iPads, I poke the screen to wake it up if it's dark. Pretty much, you've uh, kind of alluded already to um, some of the great new benefits to the Apple Pencil. It's magnetic. It's magnetic, just... and it's wireless charging, and it's wireless syncing. It's really, really, really fun. You should just get a whole bunch of them and line them up, well, if you have the money. And, um. and you love the new you love the uh, new benefits of the keyboard. Oh, the keyboard is so nice. The first generation keyboard and technically second generation keyboard had a really obvious flaw. Try to put it on your lap and it'll fall off. Try to move your legs up and it'll start just collapsing on itself. Um, now they made the whole thing just basically a solid piece of whatever it's made of. I'm guessing some sort of plastic. It has two different angles that you can put it up at, so you're not stuck at just one. I was making funky angles with mine. Um, so you have two angles, which is meant for a desk or meant for your lap. So it actually stays up on there. Um, the whole entire back is magnetic. Um, it covers the back and the front, which is something that almost everybody has been requesting and going, why hasn't Apple done that? Sorry, I don't make this stuff. Um, but anyway, um, now it covers the back and the front, so it's its own, excuse me, its own little case. 
the only thing that we found that's interesting is you can, in the right position, you can get it to disconnect a little too easily. Um, but otherwise, there's it's been a really nice case. It's the same style keyboard, um, so it's still covered, so it's still sealed. And the Apple Pencil is really neat. Um, it's really, really fun. I have way too much fun attaching that thing. Um, it basically connects to one side and one side only. Um, and it is magnetic. It just goes snap and snaps right on. It'll align itself, which is something that we did have issues with the... Um, the older keyboard cases where it wouldn't if it didn't align perfectly it wouldn't work that was actually one of the recalls or slightly one of the recalls but anyway it also has this new feature where on this the there's one side of it which is flat which is the side that actually connects to the iPad when you need to um, if you double tap that one it'll actually change your tools um, I usually use the base notes app that's on every iPad um, and I'll use it with the ones that can use this Apple Pencil, and I'll double tap on it, it'll switch to an eraser, which is really handy. Um, Photoshop is going to be supporting it as well, from what I've been told. But it is really neat. It does magnetically connect. It pops up and goes, do you want to connect me? You just tap connect, and it connects. And if you need to charge it, you literally just let it snap on, and it does conductive charging. And you just moved ahead a little bit in that uh, last comment about the Apple Pencil. <laughs> For us, the, one of the big news about the reveal of the iPad Pro at the uh, last keynote was Apple's been working very close with Adobe. And um, now in the new um, next next year, we can expect a full version of Photoshop to come to, to the, the iPad, iPad, which for me has been you know one of the teasing elements is you've got a full version of, win of the Windows operating system on the Microsoft service. So you can use the entire Adobe Creative Suite on the go. And Adobe has, of course, done mobile versions of their apps because they know you're probably going to do your rough cuts of your video edits out in the field and then come back home to your to your laptop or your computer or your desktop and I'm finish it. capable of handling and, the power. And, and finish it there and it couldn't handle the power. But, you know, when it comes to design, designers and people that would be using um, the iPad for design, bringing Photoshop to the iPad is a big deal. But still one of my big questions with not just Photoshop, but Illustrator and then the other Adobe design program a lot of these programs are so keyboard centric. You have to use a lot of keyboard shortcuts to navigate your way through the interface. You can't, you're, you're not just sitting there and drawing on your tablet, you know? <laughs> well, one of the neat things that actually happened with the original keyboard case, uh, smart cover that came with the iPad Pros is they actually used a lot of the same shortcuts that the Macs did. You can actually command Q and quit out of a program on an iPad Pro now. So it actually supports a lot of those shortcuts already. And that was kind of the helping factor from what I understand with the um, Photoshop. But Photoshop is really, they are doing basically a full desktop version on the iPad Pros. Though from what I understand, it's only gonna support, I believe the second generation or newer. The newer one is the third generation and it works a lot better on that third generation and it's really designed to support that. Hopefully this is signs of what's to come. Um, the iPads are really really close to replacing computers for most people. Um, for the average user who isn't doing much I can't tell you the amount of people that I talk to who are just like, I just check my email and I go on Facebook. Well, you don't really need a laptop unless you really want a laptop. Um, or you don't need a desktop unless you really want a desktop. You can, an iPad will do you just fine. It can print and everything. Or those doctors that you interact with, that that's all they do. But for some reason, they have to have a Mac Pro just to say they have a Mac Pro. Hey, I loved the <laughs> iPad mini when it first came out because I had a doctor that came in who wanted a white one because it fit perfectly into the doctor's pocket and it looked like a, piece, like a pad of paper. That was so cool. Between that and the um, 
The people who are doing aviation, they use iPad minis um, connected to cellular to actually fly the planes. That's their GPS if you ever wanted interesting facts about the iPad mini. But, um, <laughs> well, some doctors just like to have a status symbol. So. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Yeah, That's the whole thing of I have money. I mean, uh, one of my doctors actually has a Tesla because he can have a Tesla. And he has an iMac Pro, a like $5,000 machine, not the not the little spaceship thing, but the actual um, iMac Pro. He bought an iMac Pro because he could. <laughs> he uses it to check his email. A $5,000 machine. He could use a 1099 machine and do that too. But that's my <laughs> own personal opinion. What I'm seeing out in the industries with people using iPad Pros, of course, you know, we've talked about helping to stream the New Hampshire Film Festival. Oh, yeah, that was neat. And, Did you use that as a camera? Do, and doing all of that with using wireless devices and then using the iPad Pro as the video switcher as well as an extra camera and having all the filmmakers gather around me while I was operating the video switcher wondering what the heck I was doing with an iPad Pro. They'll bear this in mind. We were just talking about how we hate people using iPads to record video and then we did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but it was an extra camera. We already had professional cameras shooting and it was an extra. Uh, it was that's an extra the detail, camera. everyone. You heard that it. That was the extra camera <laughs> angle that we needed because it was also the video switcher. But it's amazing to me because I've worked concerts. I'll be looking and I'll look over at the mixer and the sound engineer isn't standing by the mixer. He's somewhere out in the venue listening for the sound and he's making adjustments on the board wirelessly with his iPad, which I just find absolutely but the craziness, Amazing. too, is think about it. I mean, those are people that have these gigantic sound boards that are now being able to control all of them wirelessly through an iPad without even having to plug that iPad in. Yeah. The battery life is crazy on these things, and they get even better as they go. Just the sheer potential of, and that's just a small part of it. Of yeah, the we did three of hours of live video streaming with an, through an iPad. And it went down to 87%. It went down to 87%, and I had the <laughs> I had the producer of the whole thing like saying, you gotta, you you got to charge the iPad. Every you, five seconds. Every five seconds, you got to charge the iPad. And I'm like, don't worry about it. I've only used 5% of the battery, and we've been going for about an hour and a half now. We're good. <laughs> it's really, really impressive. I mean, we were running around with two iPad Pros. Um, we got one that um, we had one that we already had, and we got another one that was traded in, and we ended up using both of those so that we could run two different venues. We were running two different venues off of an iPad Pro. By the way, first generation iPad Pro, 12.9. This was three years 128. ago. Yeah, it was, a, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So the iPad Pro. And that's Pro, where they started. The iPad Pro is, is pretty amazing, pretty powerful. And um, one of the big things we like to talk about on this podcast, we don't work for Apple. We, we don't swear. Work, we don't work for Apple stores. I'm formerly a PC guy. and um, I converted, don't worry. But the biggest thing we find is people... Not understanding the not, service side of things. Not understanding the service side of things. And what does it mean? You, yeah, you can go to that place at the mall that says, we'll fix your broken iPhone or your broken iPhone. For 100 bucks or, or your, less. Oh, your broken Guess what? It's 35 bucks. What are you getting for your 35 bucks? For your broken screen. But, you know, there's going to be... You, you could have some issues by using non-Apple parts in the repairs of your machine. So, we you know, we always like to touch on that. Yeah, we like to talk about authorized versus unauthorized. Authorized is someone... An authorized place is someone who has actually gone through the Apple training to know how to do the Apple repairs from Apple. It is not an easy feat. It takes about a year, and that's on the fast pace um, to get authorized, let alone the store that maintains it. They have to also maintain a certain number of technicians, a certain number of quality. Um, it's some, it's Apple-approved repairs, which may seem really silly, especially on an iPhone, because who cares? I break the thing every five seconds. 
Well, some of the interesting things you can have happen with an iPhone that has had third-party repairs. I had a gentleman who um, got a phone from his sister who apparently was accident-prone queen. I've quite never seen a phone in this condition. But anyway, he was trying to use it to get him by for a couple of weeks. The home button was dead, the screen was dim, and it had the wrong colors on the screen. Um, and uh, there was nothing he could do. He was asking for our help. But unfortunately, when someone brings in a phone that has third-party repairs on it, if it is causing a problem, if that third-party repair is causing the problem, we can't do anything. And also bear in mind that even if that third-party repair is not causing a problem, let's say you brought your phone in for an iPhone battery replacement and you also had a third-party screen. There is no guarantee that that third-party screen is going to continue to work. And Apple doesn't stand behind a third party because it's not made by them. It's not verified and gone through all of their testing. People always are concerned with the Apple service parts because they are either refurbished or they're new. Generally, they're refurbished. They're Apple refurbished. They hardly ever fail. They do fail, don't get me wrong, they do fail, but it's a very small number. If you ask a uh, service provider, they are going to tell you a little bit higher because they see all the problems. But the third-party repairs are generally not worth the money that you're saving. Most of the time, you are going to have a problem, whether or not it's right away or three years from now. And who knows about the warranty? If you're going to have a third-party repair, get it in writing what the warranty is. And bear in mind, they still might not even follow through on it. A lot of them have very good built-in loopholes. So third-party repair, I really, really do not recommend um, unless, you know, you're going to trade in your phone in a week and they're okay with that. Um, and even then, um, just bear in mind, actually, I always feel bad when I give my phone back because I know that Verizon is going to do something to my perfectly fine phone. But authorized service repair, they go through like many, 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 many hours of training and have to stay up to date with it. And they're working on customer satisfaction. They're doing it to Apple standards. So what you can do is you can go from an authorized service place, one that's not owned necessarily by Apple, but is authorized. They will say it proudly and everywhere. They're either called an authorized service provider or they're called a premium service provider, which is the better level. That means that they have better service standards, or not necessarily standards, but service quality. Um, they've met the qualities of standards that Apple's looking for. So they meet it at their higher tier. But anyway, those guys, they'll generally, the premium service provider and the authorized service provider generally have something on their door, or it'll be on their card, or you can ask any one of them there. They will proudly tell you that they are authorized. I mean, there are places that will say, oh, we're authorized, but authorized by whom? Yeah, ask if they're Apple authorized service providers. Yeah. And if they're not, then and they'll ask them who they're authorized by. If you go to an Experimac or if you go to an iCracked place, ask them who they're authorized by. Don't just say, are you authorized by Apple? Because they'll just say yes. Ask them their certification. I don't usually say, go up to them and say, are you an authorized service provider? If it's somebody from iCracked or somebody from Experimac, I would say, what are you authorized in? What is your authorization um, from from Apple, if they say that they're authorized from Apple. If they come up with some other convoluted thing or they say, no, no, I'm certified by iCrack, who's certified by Apple. Uh, no, no, no. They should know whether or not they're an authorized service provider or a premium service provider. If and they the, don't know that, then they're not authorized. 
And one of the keys I think we've talked about too, and we can do a whole show on. <laughs> we can do a whole show on is it is it voiding your warranty if you have your if if you have your screen replaced at Staples. Um, and and I think with some of these third party repairs, it's not just the hardware itself being a failure. There's actual configurations. Oh yeah. It, it, there's software stuff that these Screens guys just got released to um, authorized service providers and premium service providers. There's there's stuff these guys there, there's stuff the the service provider the authorized service providers can do that are software software base that's also going to make the stuff run and work like it's supposed to and you won't have that as well as there's also, screen. there's also safety precautions not only for you but also for the employees hmm. that service them i have heard some horror stories about some places that they will do service repairs on expanding batteries when we get expanding or when an authorized place gets expanding batteries there's once it's expanding they don't go any further which is really annoying to the person whose phone it is because why can't they go any further well a really good example is i've heard a story about a gentleman who had an expanding battery and the, the third party non-authorized service department that was working there had them do the repair and they were trying to pull the battery out and the battery legitimately not necessarily exploded but it basically it got a hole and all of that oozed all over not only the general manager but the technician that was working on it which is a humongous biohazard it's really bad for your phone um, if they don't clean it out properly. And generally, it's not good to even test that. I can almost probably guarantee you that once they did that battery replacement anyway, they didn't tell the customer that their battery had exploded or anything like that. They said it went perfectly fine and normal. And shockingly enough, from what I understand, that person was out the next day. Um, there are gases that come out of the batteries. If you do just the right puncture, you can actually call what Apple calls a thermal event. It can start a fire. Um, and that's third-party batteries. That's punctured batteries. That's why when it comes to swollen batteries... They take your safety and the safety of the actual technician who's working on it into very high standards, and they're very concerned about it. You should see the videos. They're funny watching someone dump a gigantic thing of sand on a battery. But anyway, <laughs> it really is. Um, but still, the service part of it, they are concerned about your safety, and they are concerned about the person who's actually doing the work. Strangely enough, they don't want to kill the person doing the work or you, unlike some of those other types of phones that... They will have third-party batteries put in and can start fires, which get into lovely national news. Mm. The iPhones that actually explode, if you start looking into those or started fires, check and see if there's been third-party work done on those phones. And so when it comes to the care and maintenance of your uh, Apple devices, your iPad Pros, your, your iPhones, your iMacs, your Mac Pros, your MacBook Airs. Apple Watches, Apple, Apple TVs. Watches, don't scully about around with um those scully repair. about or around don't, either one don't scully we'll around. change it every every don't episode scully around <laughs> with your uh with your apple uh, repair stick to your locally authorized apple repair centers as, as well you know you go to the apple stores but one of the ba great things about the independent authorized apple repair centers is they really do help take some of the and the they burden have off the Apple stores. As well as they also have the experience. How long has that Apple Genius been called an Apple Genius? Five minutes or five years? Right. Versus the Apple stores. Even if it's a new Apple technician, they usually are being mentored by someone who's been doing it for 10 years or more. And we've, we've, we've even had discussions about places that are, they're Apple authorized on the door, but the technician themselves is not, actually, is not authorized. actually authorized unless he or she has gone through the Apple training. So don't let that person at the Geek Squad tell you that, oh, we're Apple authorized. The store are, is. Yes, but are you, you personally? <laughs> are you personally? Uh, there's uh, the other thing too with the if you ever wonder who the heck is authorized and who is not, 
go to Apple's website. Go to Apple's website. It's a little lengthy. Uh, if you go to Apple's website, scroll all the way down to Genius Bar. It'll walk you through some troubleshooting steps. And when it says um, do a repair in store or bring into an authorized place, they will show you by your zip code or your location where the nearest authorized ones are, what they're authorized in. These are the ones that Apple authorizes. They will not have third parties on there. Just because Joe Schmo down the street says it's going to be $35 to replace your screen, how much are you actually getting for that? Are you just getting a cheap piece of glass that's going to break the rest of your phone in five minutes? Or are you going to have a broken phone? Or do you want to actually get it serviced by somebody that will make sure your phone doesn't get broken? And should the phone get broken, you can go back to that place and Apple will cover it. And we'll we can talk we'll talk about all this on future shows because I can definitely talk vouch for having <laughs> for issues where I had a phone die I got a I got another phone from Verizon and I, and that died and I was about to make a run out to the nearest Apple store which was probably over an hour away from me and I called to confirm my appointment and the person I got on the phone with the Apple store said apologize I said they would not be able to work on the phone because third party parts had been put in the phone and that voided their ability to work on my phone and then that was serviceability e serviceability <laughs> and that was an even another fun conversation with Verizon and that led me to the iPhone 6 that I had which he then promptly broke but after three weeks of having it yes he's doing a lot better on his iPhone 8 plus by the way it's a lot better it's well protected it's, it's alive it's, it's less scratched than mine it's in a case it has glass on it it's very happy it purrs and we hope my dad's phone uh, lasts for a long time and hopefully by uh, maybe his birthday we get him into a we get him into an iPad not an iPad Pro but at least an iPad yeah but we've definitely enjoyed uh, talking about the the history of the iPad the new iPad Pro all the fun we're gonna have with that in the coming years and um, Join us uh, again in the coming year for another edition of Don't Scully Around with, with Chris. Chris and Caitlin. Yes, and we'll see you next time. are those of the hosts and producers and are not those of Apple or any authorized service provider. Information provided is purely for entertainment purposes only. For more information about products and services discussed in this program, we invite you to visit a corporate Apple store or an approved certified Apple service and sales center.